1: Back on the Chiefs, it's Friday, you're getting your fix on the Chiefs, and I love it. Normally, I am the one that is fired up. By the way, Serta punked out, went on vacation or something. He's probably paying, he's probably playing out of the wazoo for some gym membership that he's not using and having a blast somewhere. But normally, it is me who is fired up off his ass about something. But this week, BK, BK is filling his inner show on a topic that you just want to die. Why don't you want, why don't you even think Justin Houston is an option?
2: Okay, so let's, let's start at the beginning here. Justin Houston on Instagram, the place where all rumors go to begin, of course, of course, posted a picture with the caption note to self with the emoji for the note. Shut up and work. Nobody cares. There was also a report earlier today from ESPN that Justin Houston. I love these reports. These are my favorite. Has multiple offers to play, but has not decided where he wants to play yet. Because, of course, it's 100 degrees outside. You've been out there, Ron. I've been out there. It's miserable right now. And you know what veterans hate? Training camp in the heat. So what's Justin Houston going to do? I don't know if he's got offers or not for real, but maybe he does. I'll take him at his word. He's going to go ahead and skip the first week or two of training camp because the first week or two of training camp sucks. It is miserable.
1: I don't. I don't. First off, I don't like the feel like you're calling Justin a liar. (laughs) Like he like like. Like, you don't think Justin has these multiple offers? I felt like you're calling Justin a liar the way you're doing this. I I think
2: that's a little rude. Maybe he's got multiple teams (laughs) that are interested in him. Maybe maybe, he's not got no offers, though. Maybe some teams have reached out, but the offers feel a little strong. It's a little aggressive that they came out with the report. Multiple offers already. Which Whatever. Fine. It is what it is. So then, of course, the secondary portion of it. In the photos, he's wearing a chief's helmet. So clearly, this means he wants to come back to Kansas City. Well, they didn't they didn't have a Colts one. He they didn't let him keep his Colts one. By the way, he looks good. Well, yeah, he's always looked like he's in unbelievable shape. He's he looks shredded.
1: He looks shredded. Now I can't see his knees, but <laughs> he looks body-wise, he looks Like, he's ready to go.
2: The problem was never Justin Houston is not a physical specimen. That was never once an issue for Justin Houston. The problem was he didn't really want to play. Like, I I remember in 2017 and 2018, Chiefs' hands were done. Just done with Justin Houston. And you know what he did those two years, Ron? He posted nine and a half sacks and nine sacks for the Chiefs. It was a real ugly nine and a half, though. It was a it was
1: a sack. Like it was one of those you look up at the end of the year and you said, Really? Really? You don't remember many of them. He did have a big one in the playoff game against the Colts. So I'll give him that. But it was it wasn't an explosive nine and a half sacks. That's the biggest thing for me with Justin is that man. His explo- he looked like he's getting work- workman sacks. Push ya, push ya, push you. workman sacks.
2: Okay, so you weren't really thrilled about the 18 and a half sacks you got the final two years for Justin Houston and KC. I'm
1: not saying I wasn't thrilled. It just didn't feel like 18 and a half. I mean, so, you know what I mean? It
2: just- So now that he th- he had 19, or, yeah, 19 sacks over the last two years for Indianapolis and he's 32 years old, everybody's like, oh, yeah, Justin Houston, let's go. That's the answer to all the Chiefs. At- No, no, he's older, he's slower, he's not as good, he ain't going to be the answer to the Chiefs' issues. Justin Houston, if you're asking a question that ends with Justin Houston as the answer, you're asking the wrong question. Justin Houston, could he be your fourth defensive end? Sure. But the the Chiefs, (laughs) who's ahead
1: of him? If he's on this team, if he's on the roster right now at defensive end, who's ahead of
2: him? Well, Frank Clark for one, Chris Jones for two, and then probably Taco Charlton, honestly. And then and then he's after Taco? Yeah. Okay. As a pass rusher for me. Not Dana? Now, Well, Dana's probably a better run defender at this point in his career. I just don't know what Justin Houston's role is on this team. Like, what, what I, is he coming in to do? I want to make it very clear to our audience and
1: our listeners. Brandon texts this to me. This is becoming a thing of Justin Houston, and it is one of the dumbest ideas I've seen.
2: That's how, well, that's how strong he and is. And here's why. I, I, I should, I, I should have this part. Yeah, please. You know why the Chiefs decided to get rid of Justin Houston in 2018? Because they needed to change the culture. They said this. They needed to change the culture on the defense. And it started with Justin Houston and the old guard that had enabled everything on the Chiefs' defensive side of the ball – From basically 2016 to 2018, it got so bad that they said, we got to start over. They get rid of Justin Houston. They end up getting rid of D Ford. They bring in Frank Clark. They bring in Tyron Matthew. That is the new guard on this Chiefs defense. They are going to lead the way for us. And they have. Like for all of the warts that you can say, and I'm with you, Ron, about Frank Clark and all of the things that have gone wrong with his tenure in, in Kansas City. There's also been, in terms of the culture on the field and inside of that locker room, it has changed. There is a lot more accountability on the defensive side of the ball. Some of that's Frank Clark. A lot of it is Steve Spagnolo, A lot of it is Tyron Matthew. But that room, that locker room, is better than it was three years ago. Bringing in a guy like Justin Houston, who has established relationships with some of those guys, who has been a leader for the majority of his career in one way or another, that doesn't bring you in the right direction. That kicks you back to where you once were. I don't think that's helpful in any way possible. You don't need him right now. You don't need to go out there to sign him. I get why Chiefs fans are excited by this because Justin Houston, you look at the stat sheet and you're like, oh, he's had nine sacks each of the last few years. That'd be nice. No, it wouldn't. You didn't like it when it was in Casey the first time. You're going to like it even less the second time around. He doesn't have a role for this team. He doesn't help your culture on this team. This is not the answer to the Chiefs potential depth issues at defensive end.
1: All right. See, I'm talk. I'm trying to learn, talk myself through this, you know, and I'm on I'm punk out here. I'm not going to lie. You know, normally, especially in our business, you know, you got to take, right? You got to, you just, you don't really hop on a fence. Well, I can't lie to you, man. I'm struggling with this one. Like when you sent to me the dumbest thing that I've I've seen, like I really had to think about it because BK's not normally this strong, like, I mean, this was strong in his disdain for the idea the, uh, the the idea to even fix your thoughts and
2: lips. I just had Bob Sutton yeah, say, flashbacks yeah. in my okay. in my mind and I was like man that, that's what Chief Fans want? like yeah, well, we're excited have, about this you did not have
1: to say that name okay I've 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 well I finally gotten over that name but I'm thinking through it and and see I I'm talking myself through it, and that's why I had you tell me where he would be on this group and I think a lot of people get the. First off there is some nostalgia feel with with 50. Yeah, all of the great back.
2: feelings that come back when what great feelings?
1: <laughs> the great feelings, <laughs> the great, great moments, he was, great, he was a good pass rusher. He was a like it wasn't he had a great season or two. He was a good play, pass Justin rusher. Justin
2: Houston was a tremendous pass rusher. If I ask you your favorite Justin Houston moment in Kansas City because I remember doing this segment in KC when I was there. There weren't a whole lot of them. Justin Houston, awesome chief. Not a yes. whole lot of moments.
1: Yeah, I mean, he had a he had a, he had a nice sack
2: and a turnover in the Colts
1: game in the playoffs. I mean, he had, some, he had some moments. I can still remember him raising his shirt and hitting the 29 on his shirt when he would get sacks for Eric Berry. And maybe that's an Eric Berry moment. But I think there are people who still remember Justin Houston, still remember the, the big sack seasons, him and Tom as a combination. So I think there's a part of it there. And then what you just did when I said, well, where would he line up? Man, when you get down to Frank Clark, and then you're getting down to an experiment, and I, I feel good about the experiment because of the type of player he is and Chris Jones, but it's still a bit of an, an unknown on how he's going to be on the outside. And then at, after you get the two deep, Who's a natural defensive tackle? You get to two deep, then you get to Taco Charlton. That's what gets to people where they're like, "Whew!" you didn't even say Alex Okafor. And I know BK watches and understands this. He didn't even say Alex Okafor when he got to the, to the to the three deep. And it's like, it feels like you're short. It feels like. One of the most important things, which is rushing the passer, especially from the outside, and that being a position to do it, you feel like you're short, especially with Steve Spagnuolo's defenses, which are really looked at at the front four getting pressure. And when you get me to Taco Charlton as the first guy potentially off the bench, hell, I'm nervous. And it makes me wonder about 50. Now, I'm with you. I don't know if Justin has two ACLs, I'm gonna tell you that right now, if you're asking me to be honestly after they butchered that, it, 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 I don't know if he has two working ACLs. His explosion absolutely dipped on him in Kansas City, and I don't and, and and it has to be gone when he was with the Colts. So that makes me concerned. It feels like is there a younger guy that can give you what he's going to give you. But I think the fear factor and the part that gets me to stop me to get to the dumbest thing to close the book on it is, Now, you're looking at Taco Charlton potentially being the first guy off the bench or Alex Okafor, who's not a pass rusher and, 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 and Dana and stuff like that. That's that's where it is a should at least be a give it a
2: look. I think the Chiefs chose their current defensive ends already over Justin Houston. Because, like, let, let's roster-wise, right? Let, let's look at this logistically. How many defensive ends are you keeping this year? Because you're not keeping six of them. Probably five. Yeah. Frank Clark, Mike Dana, Alex Okafor for sure are going to be on this team. I'd be very surprised if they cut Damoni Harris or Joshua Kando. Kando's their fourth-round pick this year. They're not, they're not the cutting him. He's the kid you like. He's
1: the yeah. kid you really
2: like. He's the one that has a little bit of promise. That's five. And then if you want to count Chris Jones in that group, Chris Jones would be included as well. Who are you kicking out that you're giving up on both for the here and now and for the future to be able to to sign Justin Houston? The answer is probably Alex Okafor, and they just signed Alex Okafor when they could have also signed Justin Houston if they wanted to go that route. So whether we want it or not, I think the Chiefs have already made their decision on this. So maybe you don't even think you don't think it's even at least a look. Or a thought because if one it of those
1: was, kids, I think it already those, happened. Could one of those kids go to the practice squad?
2: Because uh, I, I don't know enough about the rules, how it's going to be structured this year to know one way or the other, but given how they played last year, I'd be stunned if the chiefs could even sneak them through waivers like Damone Harris or Mike Dana. If it, like those would be the two guys that are most likely to, to slip Let's through.
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah. I, I don't think they would be able to slip him through. I think they both of those guys would be picked up by somebody.
1: Yeah I think I think at least Brett and Andy and their staff maybe at least and and I think also obviously Spags has a big voice in this at least sit down and take uh, give it a look because we'll see hopefully you know young guys get there and you get frank for a lot of the season but it it does it just does feel like they're light at that position and it's one thing, and we've had conversations for them to feel light at corner because that's not how the defense has generally been predicated and, and 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 used under Spags. But the two areas, safety and and defensive line, seem to be the hallmarks of what Spags likes to do, and it just feels a little light up front. That's why I can't get with all the way over where you are, even
2: on badass knees, Justin Houston. So if if they're light at defensive end, they're every bit as light at right tackle right now because the Chiefs revamped offensive line looks very different at left tackle, at left guard, at center, at right guard. It looks pretty similar at right tackle compared to what it was a year ago. That's the only place where they've got a returning starter right now. And for as frustrated as I was about the Justin Houston story that's developed over the last 12, 24 hours. I think we're on the show hugely is even more frustrated by Mike Rimmers starting right now at right tackle. Let me tell you something.
1: Now, we've sat here and we've had conversations about, hey, maybe they went overboard with how they over addressed what lost in the Super Bowl, right? What lost in the Super Bowl is they had their two tackles out and they could not block from the outside. Hell, they had They had uh, Wiley had to move out to tackle, so they had a new guard. Like, they struggled, and they said, I'll be damned. That ain't happening again. We're not getting stuck without any offensive linemen. Not only are we going to get new and capable starters that we think are improvements, we're going to get backups, too. We're going to have it all. And they've done it in the draft. They've gone in trades every way possible. I will be damned if they've done all of that and put all those resources on the offensive line for us to walk in the door and Mike Rimmers is a swing tackle, is starting at right tackle. Absolutely not. I'm looking at it. I'm like, oh, okay. They got Orlando Brown out there and left tackle. Okay. They got old Thoney out there, the big pay, high pay guard. That's right. Okay, Creed Humphrey liked that in the draft, kind of felt that. Okay, Mr. Smith, I know you were really, really high on Smith out of Tennessee, a guy I know out here who used to play for the Chiefs, offensive lineman, 12-year vet, Wade Smith said, that dude's going to be a pro bowler. Okay, I'm with it. And then Mike Rimmers? Mike Rimmers? You... You don't, you don't bring back a soul who started in that Super Bowl, but the person you're going to bring back on the offensive line is Mike Rimmers? Come on now. L- listen, what, what happened to the young guy? Uh, what's his name?
2: Lucas uh, Niang?
1: Yes, Lucas. What happened to him? That, that big joker, that felt like that was it. What are we doing here? I can't. Mike, no, they can't do this. They can't walk into this season with Patrick Mahomes, who's running from his life, with Mike Rimmers at right tackle. Stop it. they got to fix that. I'm just going to take that as, hey, we're giving him looks. Somebody ain't quite ready yet, but Mike Rimmers can't be the dude.
2: So we would agree that Lewis Riddick of ESPN is pretty plugged in with the Chiefs, right? He's in love with them, yes. Anything he
1: says, he got straight from the source.
2: Yeah, he, he worked with Andy before. He's a guy that is invested in the Chiefs. Well, he tweeted earlier today, quote, the Chiefs believe that Trey Smith has unique ability. All right. I like that. They love Joe Tooney, as they should. They love Humphrey, as they should. They have belief in they have full belief in Orlando Brown and his adjustment to their system. And they here's got the no kicker. choice. Here's they the got kicker. no choice. And they just need Remmers to be competent. <laughs> like the, the praise was coming in from all angles. Trey Smith, unique ability, love Tooney, love Humphrey, full belief in Orlando Brown. Remmers, just be competent out there. I that, think that, that tells you everything you need to know, uh, Ron. And he, here's why I am not worried about this yet.
1: Oh, okay.
2: The reason why I'm not worried about this yet is twofold. One, They've still got Lucas Niang, if anything were to go wrong. Two, I don't think this is a plan for the full year. I think Kyle Long's going to be a starter on this offensive line. But he's a guard, right? Like, we're, I mean, He can play tackle. He's played tackle before. I think Kyle Long's going to be your starting right tackle before the end of the season. I think what you're going to see is Creed Humphrey is going, he's already established himself. He's going to start at center this year for you. Trey Smith is going to start at right guard for you this year. If there was any question about that, he wouldn't have been taking the first reps in training camp. That is very unique in an Andy Reid training camp. You don't see that very often where rookies are taking the first rep. So Creed Humphrey, Trey Smith, they're going to be starters for you. Go ahead and write that in stone. You know your left tackle, left guard, center, and right and guard I'm fine already. with it. I'm fine Absolutely. with it. Absolutely. I don't think they want to start a rookie at center, right guard, and right tackle, which is what they'd do if Lucas Nang was out there. So I think that's part of what goes into this decision and why Mike Rimmers is out there. Kyle Long's on the PUP. When he gets back, I think he's going to work himself into the starting rotation. And that's when you'll see him take over for Mike Rimmers. But for now, I actually agree with Lewis Riddick. All you need and Rimmers did this at times last year. All you need is for Mike Rimmers to be competent at right tackle. This is why you re-signed him. He's an insurance plan. And for now, that you're, you're kind of you're trying to maintain that insurance plan. You're trying to pull from it.
1: I was good for the insurance plan. The insurance plan generally means a backup, like a backup plan to me. This the insurance plan has become the plan, and that's where I'm having concern with. Like I, like I, if you're gonna go, we're gonna draft guards. We're gonna sign Kyle Long. We're gonna sign all these cats. Mike Rimmers. I got I, listen. I get where you're saying center guard. Tackle rookies, but look—you're in a a special situation where you got parts around you and coaching around you that can help you get get acclimated and, and and push you through to where the middle part of the season where you feel like, all right, this group is ready. Like you got some parts here. I think getting Lucas Nguyen action and getting him in there is is a better move the ceiling is so much higher with him like he's so much higher and and
2: he hasn't played football in two years though and that's another part of this because he he was hurt his final year at TCU and then last year opted out of the season I I do think it tells you a little something about Lucas Nying and maybe we should tamp down a little bit of the excitement about him not not completely eliminate but tamp down some of the excitement by the fact that he hasn't been able to overtake Mike Rimmers now,
1: now if he's not ready to go that's that's one thing. If he's just if you feel like he's going to hurt you, you know, he's not ready to go. OK, but I'm just hoping this is just early training camp thing where we're not just going to give this to you. You got to earn it. But give me the higher ceiling guy, please, man. Give me the guy where because I, I, I mean, that big monster you can do stuff with. He can move like Mike Rimmers, man. Mike Rimmers is out here just holding on to God's unchanging hand every snap. The nerves come through every snap. Like I'm like when they play the Denver Broncos, that's the side that Von Miller predominantly lines up on. I'm I'm sweating bullets. They're never moving them off. So I just, I just feel like with all like that that's my thing is is BK, with all the resources that you used in the offseason, my God, Mike Rimmers can't be the it can't be the answer at right tackle when that was the reason. Uh and, and also Kyle Long. I don't know, man. Are you? I mean, that was a I didn't think about that, but that's like you you're okay there with Kyle Kyle Long, who is who's obviously his best position has been guard playing right tackle.
2: Yeah, I, I think he'd be fine out there. He he's played there in the past, he's been pretty good at it. Is it his best position? Maybe not, but I think you suddenly become a very good run blocking offensive line with him out there at right tackle and a pretty darn good pass blocking line as well. So um I feel good about that. I just think you need to get there. And I don't know how long it's going to be, no pun intended, before he returns. Uh, even if it is, let's say it's four weeks into the regular season. I think you're fine, man. I, I really do. I, I think Mike Rimmer showed me enough last year to believe that when he's at right tackle, when he's at left tackle in the Super Bowl against the best defensive line in football and you're not giving him any help to be able to uh, try to overcome it and you've got a bunch of backups next to him. Yeah, that ain't going to go well. But when you've got good players next to him, he's at right tackle instead of left tackle. You can give a little help that way because your other guys you feel good about in on their individual uh, matchups. I think you'll be able to get by now to speak out of both sides of my mouth a little bit here. The first four weeks of the season, when it comes to the pass rushers that you're going up against, is not easy. You got in Week One, Cleveland. My guess would be there's no reason for Miles Garrett to line up on the Chiefs' left side of the offensive line a single time in that game. I
1: I watched him last year play against the Texans. He he never lined up on
2: Laramie Tunzel's side ever. No reason to. we, we talked about this with Chris Jones, right? Hunting matchups. Well, that's the matchup that if you're the opposing team, you're going to be hunting going up against the Chiefs. So that's going to be tough. Uh, Baltimore, they find a way with their blitzes to get home, even though they don't have a great pass rusher. The Chargers, well, you got a Bosa that you got to deal with. That ain't going to be easy as long as he's healthy. Philly's got some interior guys that can be problematic. And then finally, at that point, yeah, and Barnett And Barnett on the outside and, uh,
1: and Graham, those are two good defensive ends. That can rush the quarterback. It's not going to be Eagles. easy.
2: They they they're going to have to do this as a unit. But I think Mike Rimmers is good enough to get you by as long as you need him to. Yep. While Kyle Long's out, I I don't. I'm not going to. I don't want to make it seem like I'm thinking like you can't you can't win with
1: this. Like I think you can find a way to win with this. I mean I watch. I watch the other Bosa, Nick just absolutely destroy Eric Fisher in the Super Bowl play after play and they found a way with what they could do and and I and Andy can hide um, and, and as as an off, former offensive line coach does a great job of, of protecting and hiding and, and running uh, different schemes and techniques to to hide issues on the offensive line. My thing is just. It just it seemed like that was the the big point of emphasis on the in the offseason. Uh, the off and to come back with Mike with Rimmers as the answer that that is that one that one feels like well what the hell what the hell was all the moving and shaking for if we're right back here with Mike Rimmers like how do we go from Mitchell Schwartz to Mike Rimmers like that that's that's just my thing all right hold on we we've got to address this.
2: Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a Prop G-Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Prop G pod wherever you get your podcasts.
1: I'm not going to say this is dumb like you said earlier about the Justin Houston thing, but you just spoke about Lewis Riddick and I'm looking at Lewis Riddick right now. And this thing has, I've tried to ignore it. I really have. I've seen Nate Taylor lose his mind about this. I've seen Pete Sweeney who of course will get gassed up into anything. And arrowhead pride has talked about this, but Lewis Riddick coming out of the woodworks himself, Noah, great tied in. Don't forget that name. He's going to be fire emoji, and then he has the uh, the audacity as a who's supposed to be a very partial guy who calls Monday Night Football games hashtag Chiefs Kingdom coming from Lewis Riddick to finish this off. What are we doing? I'm not. I'm going. I refuse to acknowledge the nickname that keeps getting rolled out from him. Some stallion bull crap. But what, do we? I think it's I the feel, white horse on the beach. The white horse on the beach. Yeah. I saw. I saw. Then he's the white stallion. Is what I also saw. Let's get. Let's calm down. Do you he's like Baby little, Kelsey better because that's what Pete Sweeney's going with. Shove it, Pete. He's still. <laughs> he's still white. He's white pony right now. Okay. Let's calm down. Let's calm down on the Noah. Let's just take a step back on the Noah Gray love fest here. Just Don't like a his four
2: point six forty. Listen. I, I listen. Is sub seven three cone. Can we can we just can we give him let us let,
1: let, back off. Look with the stallion baby Kelsey. Let's just get the let's let him in first. All right, I'm not holding against him that he went to Duke. Let's just let, let let's just fall back just a bit. Now, if I'm honest, I think Noah Gray will be productive, and you could argue he could be. You could see him being the best second tight end they've had behind Kelsey. Since you know, I don't know, Andreas
2: Harris probably, yeah, and
1: uh, Mr. I, I'll make tough catches, but those ones where I'm standing alone 50% chance. But, but because who's throwing to him, who's on the field out here with him? I mean, he's not going to be a guy that people really look to stop. And you know, the play caller, the best play designer in the game. With two tight end sets, we'll probably find ways to have openings for him where he can be productive. So I do think he can be legit productive. But let's slow down with the baby Kelsey and the white stallion.
2: Let white pony just live.
1: So here's a question for you.
2: Who finishes the year with more receiving yards? McCole Hardman. No, no, no. I'm not going going that high. It's just my natural reaction. Is it going to be Noah Gray or whoever your fourth favorite wide receiver is? So Byron Pringle would be one of the options. Uh, Cornell Powell, Jody Fortson, Marcus Kemp. Uh, I saw earlier today it looked like Antonio Calloway was getting some run with the first team. Whoever your guy is out of that group, not named McColl, DeMarcus, Tyreek Hill, who finishes with more yards this year? That guy on the receiver core or Noah Gray?
1: It could be Noah. Because I do think they're going to be heavy to their top two targets. And then, which is Kelsey and, and Tyreek Hill. And then, I, as I've said, I believe in McCole Hardman, obviously the only person uh, that has any, uh, any kind of connection with Kansas City. I'm the only one who believes in McCole Hardman, obviously. And, uh, and I think Demarcus Harris will uh, – Demarcus Harris – the hell did I call him? then? But I—you I, got him confused with Demetrius. I get Demetrius, it. Demetrius. Yeah, but I—but I think he'll—I think he'll—he'll—he'll—he'll um, he'll, he'll, he'll do what he's done, and then obviously yards. Yeah, and I—and I, and I do think something we have talked about, and I agree with you. I—I do think Clyde is going to have a bigger role receiving, so I could see that being great. I could see that being great. Like I, I'm just not a believer in Byron Pringle, just a solid special teams cat, and uh, and Sean Kemp. I don't think he's going to be. Heavily involved, old Ray man over there. I don't think he's going to be heavily involved. I know your name is Marcus, but I just I just want to call you Sean. That's just how I feel. So I like I I, I like him, but come on, man.
2: Like, can we back? Can we back up a little bit on this on this kid? I don't know. I like it. I think I'm in on it. I know I, you are. I, I think I'm in on it. Now now the baby Kelsey thing. Let let's. Let's reel that in a little bit. If you want to call him a white horse on a beach, I'm down. I, I, I can get the white stallion. I can get behind both of those. See, I um, can get behind the stallion. Comparing him to Kelsey, though, it, it kind of reminds me a little bit of when we were doing the baby badger thing with Juan Thornhill and Tyron Matthew. Well, okay, let, let's, let's not compare them to all pros. We don't need to be doing that. But if you want to get excited about a guy who ran a 4 six forty at the NFL Combine, mm-hmm who ran a sub-7-3 cone, which was in the 90th percentile for his position. Yeah, I can get behind that. This guy's super athletic. He moves in a way that really no other Chiefs tied in, like you said, since uh, Demetrius Harris has. And honestly, he's Second more fluid. Tied in, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, fair. Uh, he's more fluid than Demetrius Harris was. Like, he can turn left and right. Demetrius Harris is more of just a straight line guy. He's kind of important as a football player. Um, that it, they can't turn left and <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, neither can DK Metcalf, and it hasn't been a problem for him so far. Um, If you're going to be able to get a guy that is a legit threat as a number two tight end, all of the questions that I've had about that Chiefs number two wide receiver, number three wide receiver, they become a little less important. Like, if you could get a big year out of Noah Gray where he catches, I don't know, 35 passes for 400-plus yards, which would be a, a good year, but not some sort of, like, Blowing uh, records out or anything like that, but that starts to add up when you think of what Clyde could get, and what you think about. Uh, it takes pressure off of Demarcus Robinson and Byron Pringle and those guys, and that's really what you need. Yeah,
1: I, yeah, I, like I'm, I'm good with them. I, I, I'm, I'm really intrigued to see how they use them. Like the one, like the one thing that really jumps to me. When I when I listen to Lewis, because he's I mean, he's obviously going over the top and we know Lewis Riddick, right? Lewis Riddick is is a guy that is locked in. This isn't just him waking up. You know what? I saw Noah Noah Gray run a couple of routes. I like him. I think I'll be. No, it's a uh, it's a a uh, what's the word I want to use a a kind of a known evaluation. This is a, with knowledge, uh, assessment. This is not just an assessment or opinion, but an educated opinion, because he's, he's, if you hear something with Lewis, Ricky and the Chiefs, he's probably gotten some sort of inside thought. So when I hear that, that at least makes me believe that Andy potentially views him as somebody that he would want to use. Because sometimes we can talk about like who could be, who could be a good second option or another option in the offense. But when I hear Lewis Riddick say his name, you're just talking about a fifth round tight end then that to me makes me believe he got it from somebody, which means, hey, look out for this cat because he may be involved in some things. He may be involved in, hey, we feel like we can get something out of two tight end sets and do something with him and Kelsey together. So when I hear that, it does rain rain, rain off the, the, the bells to me that they view him as somebody they want to use if they are putting his name out there.
2: Yeah, and sometimes it's less important about who's good, who's bad, and more important about who the coaching staff thinks is good and bad. Because those are the guys that are going to see the field. And if they believe in him, if they think he's got a bright future, kind of like the thing we're talking about with Lucas Niang, if they think he's a year away, it doesn't much matter if we think on the outside looking in, he should be the one that's playing. That's where he's going to get the playing time or the lack thereof for Niang. On this one, if you've got Noah Gray and the coaching staff, and I agree with you, when you see something like this from this specific source, man, that is sourced material. That is coming from the Chiefs. He's not just randomly hyping up a fifth-round rookie out of Duke. That's not something that you're going to see from a guy at ESPN who's got a lot better things to do, a lot more stuff to do important uh, with his time. He's hearing that from somebody. They so, yeah. saw something at camp today where they were excited.
1: Yeah, look at. so I would look out to see like that you know, Andy loves to new dip, add different wrinkles, and they haven't done a ton with two tight end sets to really use it as weapons. Uh, that could be something as a new wrinkle this year. And when you got Tyreek and when you got Kelsey out there, and you got the best quarterback and play designer designing place and throwing the ball to you, I think Noah Gray, the White Pony, has a chance to be productive. So uh, let's let's let's. Let's let him do some stuff before we get him stallion. See, I'm just trying to give give kids stuff. Just let him do some stuff before he's a stallion. All right, we got to get to it. The game that is sweeping the nation. Everybody, every week who listens to showing BK on the Chiefs love to hear this. It is imposter or certified. This week, I'm going to throw this one at you, BK. Safety, Juan Thornhill. Is he an imposter? or is he certified i think i will lean towards certified but i need him to take a step i need i think it's time for him to take a step and i need to i need him to go from a guy with heavy flashes to a guy that's right there i'm going to give him a bit of a pass coming off the acl maybe it takes him some while last year but like i when they got tyron matthew like I looked and envisioned him, ooh, this looks like this could be a poor man's version of Troy Palomalu and Ryan Clark together. Mm-hmm. A guy like, you know, like Tyron Matthew, you just jack of all trades, which you do a lot of stuff with. He's at the line of scrimmage a ton. And when I say poor man's because Troy is a first ballot Hall of Famer. He's something special. So that's why I say poor man's group of those two and Ryan Clark was just a great tandem with him who would cover on the back end and was aggressive like I, I I'd like to get to a point where Juan Thornhill is itching towards that and more consistent. So I'd say right now I will lean towards certified but he
2: it, it feels like this is a year where he should take a step. I'm with you. I think he's going to be certified. I think after year one, or midway through year one, really, before the ACL injury, I was confident he was certified. I thought he was really coming into his own in 2019. He looked like one of the better players on that defense. He was quick to the ball in the running game. He was making legit plays in the passing game. He was playing deep in a way that completely changed the way they were able to utilize Tyron Matthew. Yes.
1: And that's the big deal. That's the big deal with him, is he has to allow you to be able to use Tyron as a playmaker, right? And and that's that's what he's got to do.
2: He opens everything up. He opens the playbook up for Steve Spagnuolo. They needed a guy like Juan Thornhill to be able to utilize Tyron Matthew to be able to utilize their corners the way they want to. Like it, it just opens things up. Him playing deep also allows you to blitz a little bit more. Like it's just. It's a better situation for your defense. Last year, he wasn't the same guy. He looked a little better towards the end of the season. And Ron, I thought it was really insightful. I thought you could take a little bit away from Juan Thornhill showing up to training camp early. He showed up with the rookies and the quarterbacks because the other group that can come at that point in time is the injured players. And he said after that first training camp practice, when he was there with the rookies and quarterbacks, he said, listen, I wanted to make sure I'm good. Because last year, he said he was at like 70, 80, 85%. He never felt fully confident in his knee. And I've heard this before. I remember Tyron Matthew has spoken about this. In fact, a lot of guys say it's 18 months or more before you're really back to 100% and feeling confident both mentally and physically. Tyron Matthew has said that. And if you're looking for 18 months, we're right there now from the time when Tyron Matthew, or excuse me, when Juan Thornhill had that injury. So I expect big things from him this year. I think if we had this same conversation this time next year, there wouldn't even be a second of thought for us. I think we're going to believe that he's 100% certified. But for now, just coming off of what was a weird year for Juan Thornhill, which was injury riddled, I'm going to say I'm leaning towards certified, but I need to see it from him this year like you.
1: Yeah, He's, he's got to take a step, and this is, this is the time. And he's got the talent, and he's got it. But what, what makes him big is, as you said, he unlocks your ability to use, I think your biggest playmaker on the defensive side of the ball, Tyra Matthew, and put him in situations where he he is a, a playmaker. All right, uh, before we, we jump out of here, we got to get on some of these camp battles uh early. There's a couple out there. You already talked about it. So you think this is a done deal. You feel like Creed, Creed uh, Humphrey and 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 Trey Smith, they're going to be starters here. And, and, and what you don't think the Canadian Doctors
2: is a, is a guy there that, that could play that, that that may get a shot as a starter, as a veteran? Man, if he was going to, I think he would already be up there. I think that's one of those things where it sometimes you'll see this in camp. Sometimes you'll see it in weeks like one through four, where there will be a little deference to the veteran. So they'll give LDT or whoever the veteran is at that specific position. They'll give them the first chance. And they'll say, all right, this young guy, he's got to be able to win it. He's got to win this job from you. The fact that they gave Trey Smith the first snaps, they gave him the first opportunity at right guard, told me everything I needed to know. I would be, barring some sort of injury and knock on wood, hopefully that won't be the case. Barring something of a setback from Creed Humphrey and Trey Smith, both of them I fully expect to be starting on your offensive line this year. And I think that's the best case scenario for the Chiefs because you now have Potentially four years where you'll have Joe Tooney, Creed Humphrey, and Trey Smith as your interior offensive line. And hopefully you'll be able to re-sign Orlando Brown Jr. after the season. And now you've got four of your five spots where you're set up not just for the now, but for the future as well. And Mike Rimmers,
1: uh, which is rough. Where where else? else? What else uh, interests you in these camp battles?
2: Yeah, I wanted to get your thoughts on this because I know the two of us, you're probably the one that's a little bit more concerned about the cornerback spot. So right now in camp, they've got reportedly Charkandrick West and uh, Legereus Sneed on the outside and their base packages. That's what we all expect. The question was, okay, who's going to be lining up outside and inside when you go to the nickel? So far, based on everything I've seen, it's been Legarius Sneed kicking inside to the slot, which is kind of what I expected in that nickel. And you've had a combination of Mike Hughes and DeAndre Baker going to the outside in that spot with the number one unit. So Sneed inside, combination of Hughes and Baker on the outside. What do you think about that? Does it surprise you at all that that's the construction that they're going with?
1: Uh, I don't know if it surprises me. Uh, it, it's hard to see where else they could go. Um, Does it make you want Xavier and Howard that much more? I, no, I, I um I've you all, you and Serta have uh specifically um taken that away from me. You've allowed you've stopped my want to dream. And so I've given up on that. Uh I gave up on Xavier and Howard when you guys crushed my dreams, which is really one of the most selfish things I've ever seen people do. So I'm not even I won't even think about it. I've, I've exited that out of my mind. Um you don't want to give him twenty million dollars a year. Now you're good. Hey, I don't. It ain't my money. I want. <laughs> I, 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 you're asking me what. What do I feel like they need help? And to me, see, I'm not going to do it. See, you all. Oh, see, I'm not going to do it. It just gets yourself thinking what could be. And no, uh, Sneed has, Sneed has to, in, in my opinion, in these in these situations, he has to damn near be able to cover without help. Like somebody or somebody has to because like you could see, okay, teams, especially with good offense. Hell, you ain't got a good offensive coordinator, is oh, I can do this. I could put out this formation and get Hughes or Baker on the outside potentially with with guys. Well, let me just keep doing that. Especially if they're they're not going to have their best corner, which at this point looks like Sneed chased. Chase someone, he's just going to go to the slot. Well, let me keep doing this. There is some concern there that your best corner is being put in the slot and potentially may not be going up against the other teams. Now, I feel like Spags would adjust and not do what Bob Sutton would do for years and just have Marcus Peters covering fullbacks um, because whoever runs out to the and right. Justin Houston He's,
2: covering Antonio Brown yes. with, the, with the game on the line against the Pittsburgh Steelers in the postseason. That definitely didn't happen, though. Yeah,
1: we're not moving. Whoever comes out to the right, that's who they guard. And whoever goes out to the left, that's who they guard. Um, but that that is there. there is a concern there. Uh, with Hughes or Baker going to the outside, um, there's a bit of a concern there, but if Snead can be a guy that can do it can get a lot of coverage without without uh, help that can that can be that could be a big thing. i I, I don't know. I, I thought Fenton was all right in the slot
2: and I thought that was that was my biggest takeaway here is I'm a little surprised Fenton didn't immediately get the uh, the opportunities outside. I know that they've like used him he, in the oh, past in the, in the nickel. I love Legarius Sneed in the slot. I think that dude is the perfect guy for that position because of how versatile he is. We saw it last year. He's a really good blitzer, man. And he if like you can get him now. a little bit uh, closer to the line of scrimmage, a little closer to the end of the line, that's where I want him. I want them to be able to use him in every possible way. And with the way that teams are utilizing their best receivers now from the slot, Like, where do the Chiefs put Tyreek Hill when they want to get him open? They put him in the slot. The same thing's true about a lot of other teams around the league now. They're putting their best guys there. So you're going to see him lined up against the best option a lot of the time when he's out there in the slot. I like him there. I thought they would go with the guy that has shown in the past to be good in this system and Rashad Fenton as the starter initially in camp. It did surprise me a bit. That they leaned immediately to Mike Hughes and DeAndre Baker. I get it because those guys have the pedigree in the past, but I'm a little surprised by it.
1: Do you think that is a lean towards more the fact of they think Snead can be so good in the uh, in the slot that that's that they'd rather make him have the move in the slot than have someone on the outside because that like like that that to me it seems like that's where they would rather have
2: their best guy. It, yeah. That's what, it, that's what it seems. I just I think Fenton actually kind of profiles better outside. I don't think he's great with carrying speed up the middle. Um, and the two-way go is tough for him. So what that means like the receiver is in the slot. They can go either out or in with their route to break it down into super layman's terms. On the outside, when you're on the top or the bottom of the numbers – you kind of have one way that you can go there, typically, unless you're going on a go route. You're not going to run an out from the bottom of the numbers. So there's nowhere to yeah. go for you. So Rashad Fenton out there has less ground to cover. And I think he's better in that situation. So that, that's why I would have been interested to see what he looks like out there. I don't think the Chiefs view him that way, though, for better or worse. I think, I think they, they view him in him the slot. Nickel. Yeah. Yeah. So it, I think they view him directly as the backup to Lejarius Snead in the slot, and that's his role on this team, and that's perfectly fine. They're going with the pedigree of a former first-round pick and Mike Hughes, and a guy that was selected really high and DeAndre Baker before the weird stuff off the field happened for him. I get it. I'm fascinated to see what those guys look like because both of them has have had a lot of struggles in their past. Hughes is here in Kansas City for a reason. DeAndre yeah. Baker wasn't great in his limited experience in New York, they're going to have to play really well for this team to be good this year. Yeah, Mike in that spot.
1: Mike Zimmer's not usually just giving up good corners in Minnesota, and so we'll see. We'll see how Spag uses them to coach him up, um, but uh, that'll be an interesting thought. By the way, I'm here in Houston, and uh, the circus that's happening with Deshaun Watson, Chiefs fans, you—it uh, it is a circus out of this world, but it is something that you should keep your eye on because it feels like now trade possibilities with Deshaun Watson feel like it could happen more before the season than I ever thought at this time and if that happens rest assured the Denver Broncos and and Las Vegas Raiders they i don't know they're going to land him i do think philadelphia and miami and miami in particular would have the landing spots first but they will throw up their best offers the raiders and the broncos so that's one to keep an eye on especially with Rodgers going back like going back to green bay and that fiasco denver and 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 the raiders like i i would not be shocked if that's where deshaun watson Ends up, Deshaun has a no-trade clause, which I don't know why he would invo- invoke, but he has a no-trade clause, and we know for a fact uh, Kareem Jackson's former teammate in Denver has come out and says, Deshaun wants to be here. We've talked. he would be there. So that, that fiasco that's happening that I'm covering every day in Houston, Chiefs fans be looking out because if there is an offer to be made, the
2: Raiders and Broncos will make offers. Just don't know if they'll – They'll pull it off. I, I think Tom Brady completely changed the game with what happened last year. It, it was about to happen this offseason, and it didn't because the NFL is a little different than the NBA. If the NFL was the NBA, Aaron Rodgers would have changed teams this offseason. I think we would have seen Russell Wilson traded. We definitely would have already seen and seen Deshaun Watson traded, barring the off field stuff. That obviously would yeah, have been it in traded if, if he didn't have
1: the, the, the potential Creepers away issue
2: yeah. going on. There's that as well. So it it would have been a fundamental shift in the NFL if this was the NBA. I think we're a year away from it. If things don't end with Seattle having an unbelievable season, potentially winning the Super Bowl, it wouldn't surprise me if this time next year we're talking about Russell Wilson in a new uniform. I fully anticipate at this time next year we're going to be talking about Aaron Rodgers in a new uniform. Both of those guys if Deshaun Watson isn't traded to this division, we'll be candidates to come to either the Broncos or the Raiders. Those teams have set themselves up, whether it be via market for Las Vegas or situation for Denver to be a perfect shooter for whoever the next quarterback is that wants out.
1: Yeah. When Denver set the hill with Justin Fields in that draft, that was a, that was a big shining light. So pay attention to that. Keep that up. The, the, the Deshaun move could happen any moment. Uh, And I I would expect that Denver and the Raiders would at least make some kind of call on it. So... Keep your eyes and ears open for that. BK, always fun. Uh, Serta, um, we'll see you next week. Enjoy yourself on your vacation or whatever it is that you're doing. I don't even think he's on vacation. I honestly think he's somewhere sitting at his house laughing, saying, "Ah, I got out this week. I got out of it this week. I'm about to eat me some sushi and make me some homemade uh, uh, spicy mayo because I don't think they gave me any. Uh, but uh, but I'm 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 about to get out and, and have me a good time. BK always fun as well. Uh, see you next week. We'll talk to you next week. Show it BK. We are out.